I forgot to record. <laughs> forgot to record the prayer but, part. But she's been falling like almost every day. Really? Yeah. When is today? October twenty-six, two thousand twenty-three. Um, yeah. You do remember No, I think this, anytime you're spurred to think, you spur somebody to think. You're doing a good thing. You know, we had to think. You know, God wants us to think about these things. Um, the main thing is, Jesus rose from Amen. the dead. He came out of the tomb, and He rose up to heaven. And right now, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm risen with Christ, and I'm enthroned with Christ. And you look at waiting for my body to be healed. And if you look, and if you look at these dates, like I'm talking about, if you go by the Scripture, just by those dates, we know Jesus came out of the tomb on Sunday. Sunday. Sometimes. Here's the thing. Okay, I think so we actually agree on all yeah, this. And the seven, if you take from how the we... 17th, we know Jesus came out of the tomb on the 17th. If you go back eight twice. days, you get to the 10th. I want to Let's read see. a couple chapters out of Peter, Second Peter. Um, Christian was listening to Second Peter chapter 3, so we'll read chapter 2 and then into 3, and uh, that'll be my part. Um, chapter 2 of 2 Peter but there were false prophets there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction um, we brought this out before. I don't think it can be mentioned enough, to be honest. Um, Calvinism has infested the church. And um, I guess most of you know what Calvinism is. It's that God is uh, forcing people into hell. He created them for nothing but cannon fodder for hell. They can't change. They couldn't if they wanted to. He made them such that they wouldn't want to. He did this intentionally. I saw a cartoon the other day. I was on Twitter. That is Calvinism in a picture. And <laughs> it had this uh, tree in the Garden of uh, Eden. And um, around one side of the tree, there's an arm reaching with a little puppet. Um strings uh, and a, on a cross on a stick and it's there the strings are on Adam and Eve you know so he's controlling Adam and Eve from this hand and over here with his left hand he's got a, a big old sock with it's like a snake's head with a little tongue sticking out over here on the left and talking to Adam and Eve you know go ahead and try this fruit I'm gonna make you try this fruit and you can see it's behind the tree it's it's got a, a cartoon drawing of God with this big smirk on his face like I'm going to make you do this but that's Calvinism uh, to me that blasphemes God worse than anything any Jehovah Witness ever tried to do that blasphemes God worse than what the Mormons do that blasphemes God to the extent that I'm sure that the believers in the satanic church are happy with it but you show them that verse because they can't get out of this I've done it several times. See, they believe tulip, total depravity, unlimited, um, 
Wait a minute. Redemption. Yeah. uh, L is limited atonement. I is irresistible grace. P, perseverance of the saints. Um, you, you, if you're elect, you can't lose. And if you're not elect, you can't win. It makes preaching the gospel pointless. Which it they, takes out the whosoever will. That's it sure what, that's does. What it does. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in Second Peter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But here, it says that denying the sovereign Lord that bought them, even denying the NIV says sovereign Lord, King James says, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Um, they do not believe that Jesus' death paid for the only the sins of the of of the elect. That's what they believe. They believe he did not buy the unelect, that he did not pay for on the cross for the sins of the damned. But can we look at it in this light as well? If God is all knowing, all seeing, past, present, future, then God when people are born, he knows. He knows foreknowledge. Oh yeah, he, he he knew he knew all of us would be here before he even created the earth. Okay, right. He knows. I mean, that's that's Bible. But we give. Exactly. He gives us. So he knows what we'll do. But I think what what they're trying to get across in their belief is, well, God already knows whether you're going to heaven or hell or not. So what's the point? You know, it'd be nice if that's know. what their belief was. Yeah. That is not what their that's, belief. But is. that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I think that's their, their their thinking is well. If God knows the future, then He knows whether I'm going to heaven. Or and else. we have so that. He in, knew that before. Well, it picks up on Romans eight, where it says, "Assuming for did foreknow, He did predestine." And and they yeah, hooked right. up on well, God planned it that way. Exactly. Well, he didn't. That just he means He knew. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm in total agreement with you know against this Calvinist yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've ever listened saying. to R.C. Sproul, he yeah. he thinks that or thought he's passed on. He he says that every action of every person misspelled words in a report you're trying to write is God's sovereign will that you misspelled that word. Right. It's really silly. But anyway, that's a verse. Right now. Uh, I, I hope he was saved. I mean, I, I think he had a heart for the Lord, but he had a real bad doctrine that he would not turn loose of. And when, he had a study he went through, and when he got to that verse where it talked about uh, predestined according to his foreknowledge, he never mentioned it. He talked the part, yeah. about part of the verse, but he never mentioned the foreknowledge. I was waiting to see. If he yeah, uh, you, you're going to have that. So you, just skip what you can't explain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway... How can someone who's been bought and paid for bring destruction on themselves? That's the question to the Calvinists because according to their doctrine, that's not possible that they've been paid for. So I, I used to work with this guy. He was uh, a primitive Baptist, which I think they're into that Calvinism stuff too. Like some may be. Some and, are into uh, snake handling. I asked him one day, I said, Gary, I said, how old was you when you got saved? He said, uh, what? I said, how old was you when you got saved? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean when I got saved? I said, whenever you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When did that happen? Well, I was about 13 when I finally figured out that he accepted me. 
Well, uh, let's read on. Uh, verse 2, And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. I think it's very fortuitous that, yeah, that fits on the Calvinist doctrine too. You know, that you're perverting the truth and, and causing the truth to be evil spoken of. You know, like a, a lost soul and say some... Somebody like Mary Magdalene, if she'd have been taught Calvinism, she'd have just turned and walked away. There's no way I could be elect. There's no way I could be chosen. I'm a prostitute. I'm a bad person. Calvinism draws people away from the cross. Verse 3, And through covetousness they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now in a long time lingereth not, of a long time lingereth not in their damnation, slumbereth not, making merchandise. And Joe and I were talking about a pastor that wanted to turn the congregation upside down and shake until everything in their pockets came out. Um, <clears throat> for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, <clears throat> and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. I like that verse. <laughs> Let me first read verse 8 too. For that righteous man, this is Lot, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Do we know people who are vexed by where they live or are we ourselves vexed? Because Lot didn't look very righteous as we read of him in the Old Testament. When the angels came to him and then the gays tried to come and get those angels, don't we all just wish God would let him open the door and just try it? <laughs> but um, no, Lot says, well, I got some daughters that are virgins. Here, take them. You're like, gee, thanks, Dad. But right? they were married, too, and I didn't understand that betrothed. part. I think betrothed. You betrothed. Know. Engaged. Yeah. Okay, they hadn't had... They weren't quite married. Okay. But, you know, you look at what Lot's doing. And doesn't he end up fathering children with them? Is that right? Am I wrong? Am I getting him mixed up? Didn't he have children to, to, to his daughters? They got him drunk. Mm -hmm. right? Is that Lot? Yeah. Lot. Yeah. yeah. But the Bible One here... One of them even got pregnant by him, didn't you? I think so. Both of them. Mm -hmm. Did both of them do it? They yeah, and uh, what's the other one? The other child was... Yeah, the two one daughters. One Edom and one was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, okay, so this is what Lot did. Yet he's recorded as righteous here. And the Bible is showing us that, that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly, verse 9, out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. Um, Lot, a righteous man. Righteous man vexed in his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds, what they were doing around him. 
And I like to try to think of people that maybe sometimes, you know, we can get kind of um, self-righteous and say, well, hey, look at you. Look at what you're doing. You know, um, well, look at what Lot did. Yet, he was recorded as a righteous man. And it was blamed on his unrighteous acts were blamed on the people he lived among. Never ceases to amaze me when well, I doesn't that sort of lead you to believe the truth in the statement that conduct has absolutely zero to do with your salvation? Apparently, you're right. I mean, it isn't what we do. Uh, now, after we have become born again in Christ, which Lot didn't have that luxury, um, he has a, you know, if you love me, he said, keep my commands. Mm-hmm. And and we can be chastened. We need to keep short accounts. Exactly. You know, in uh, right. 1 Corinthians 11, y'all don't have to turn now, just read some of this. So, you know, um, he's talking about them. Yeah, where they're taking the communion supper with uh, the wrong attitude. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, for this cause many of you are weak and sickly, and, and many sleep. Many of them, the, the congregation had died. They're getting drunk at communion. They're gathering together, and some people have nothing to eat, and people are just feasting right in front of them. There's a lesson there, too, probably. You in Corinthians there? 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, yeah. <coughs> if you read that book of 1 Corinthians, I mean, there was, was fornication in the church. There was incest, adultery. Yeah, just yeah. like us today. You church know? I mean, discipline. Uh, 2 Corinthians yeah. 5 is the church discipline uh, chapter. But I've always said this. And I don't know you may agree or disagree, but I've always said before a person gets saved and born again, it's all about your sin. But once you get saved and born again, it's no longer about your sin. That's all been forgiven and forgotten, past, present, and future. So that's where what we're getting to here. What it boils down to then is, it's your conduct <clears throat> after you get saved right. only determines not your salvation, but your reward in heaven. Your reward and your situation yes. here. Yes. And your testimony here on and earth. And your situation. See, that's what it's all about you once know. you get saved is your testimony and your reward. Verse 31, 1 Corinthians 11. <coughs> For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So um, he's telling us, pay attention to yourself, walk circumspectly, examine yourselves. That's Second Corinthians 13, 13 5. Uh, <coughs> that brings a, that scripture right there brings to mind to me when uh, I've heard a lot of people say, once you get saved, the Holy Spirit won't let you have fun when you sin. It takes all the fun out of it. You can still sin, but all the fun goes away. Until you, until you sear your conscience. Yeah, right. And uh, and that's now, the you'll, you'll get chastened. The good shepherd would break the legs of a sheep that wouldn't stay with the herd. I mean, and I've lived long enough to get know I get chastened. You know, um, chasing bad at certain times. We all do. And it's Bob's fault here. Yeah, the rod and your staff that will comfort you. That's what that's all about. You know, I was supposed to invite Bob back to assembly, comfort you. and I wasn't doing it, so I got to take a bath in poison oak, and um, uh, it was bad. 
I had to sleep on towels and change them two or three times a night. Um, and like I said, it's Bob's fault. How did I get involved with that I was project? supposed to have invited you to the study that Thursday, and I <laughs> walked over and talked to you and didn't do it. it was, uh, did I need it back then? Did you need what? The study. I don't know. Let's get out. Come on. <laughs> it says, come out from amongst them, touch not the unclean thing. You know, so... We so basically, you know, First Corinthians three, eleven says, "For no, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide the fire, which he hath built thereupon. He shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss and go straight to hell. No, that's not what it says. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know you not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. He'll destroy your temple that you're in, you'll die. So now, how but do you, you're not lost to hell. What do you do to uh, what defiles the body? Fornication. Um, I would say abusing uh, substances. Uh, but when somebody is addicted to a substance, and um, and, and uh, we talked about smoking cigarettes earlier, I don't consider that something that's going to put somebody in hell. Yeah, Adrian Rogers had a real cute way of saying it. You're barbecuing mm-hmm. your testimony, he would say. He was a great preacher, but um, won't send you to hell. Make you smell like you've been there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. But no, Just I mean, you there sooner. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe not. You know, I looked at this guy the other day. He's like ninety-six years old, and the Smoky Mountain Knife Works. I watched their YouTube channel. Of, you know, well, what about the scripture that that says there is nothing from without entering into the body? Will defile the body. It's only those things that come out of the body will defile the body. Yeah. So that's what you say. How does does this play into what you're saying here with, uh, you know, defiling the body as far as, you know, the the substance abuse or or the drugs drinking or smoking cigarettes or eating? Well, if you take that into your body, some stuff's going to come out. You know, just drunken ramblings or. You know, um, it, and we've, we've got scripture not to be drunk. He's talking Doesn't, about washing hands, too. Right. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. say you can't have wine or whatever. It just says you don't get drunk. And if you and, and I'm okay with, with, with congregations that might have some certain things, like, but they should teach it better. You know, you, you've got ministers standing in the pulpit saying that the Bible forbids you to have any alcohol at all. Which is um, a lie. And it doesn't. It, that's right. It doesn't say that, but they say that. Uh, and then they twist scriptures. I heard Jack. Um, so y'all said it under his church in Florida. Jack drawing a blank for his last. Jack name. Graham. Gr- Jack Graham. Yeah, Jack Graham. Split yeah. a verse out of uh, um, Numbers in half in order to try to say that God told him not to to. Uh, um, drink alcohol you know um, 
Well, he yep. says abstain from strong drink. It does you can bad. have strong drink. Jack Graham used to be my pastor. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, in, in Florida. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he's in Plano, Texas now. He's retired probably. Yeah, I used to listen to him on the radio a lot. He's great, um, but he, yeah, but his father was killed by a drunk with a hammer in a hardware store yeah, where he lived. He sure wow. And he, he despised alcohol, which I understand his, his you know, yeah. disposition against it. But, you know, it, it tells, a, you know, when you go into the congregation, into the inner, uh, when you go into the temple, the priest uh, do not drink wine or strong drink. Right. Well, he didn't, when you, he cut out the part where it said when you go into the temple. Mm-hmm. He just tried to make it a verse that said, do not drink wine or strong drink. There's a better way to do this. Say, these are our beliefs in this congregation. And we have developed these beliefs because, you know, we have uh, counseled people who were addicted to uh, alcohol or to drugs. We've counseled them. <clears throat> and we have, uh, as a congregation, decided that we would counsel you not to touch it don't take anything of it just just leave it all alone now i'm not saying god said you know even paul himself saying i'm saying this i'm not saying god says this i'm saying this you can do that and it would you'd have more credibility than trying to twist it ruins your testimony is what it does it just makes you look like you know what you're talking about and uh but in any event i tell you what i think i'm gonna see what earl's got Well, uh, what I want to do here is finish what we was talking about just now right. and talk about the word salvation. We so many times misuse that word of salvation. We've misused it here tonight. Someone go to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. What would you see your definition of salvation is? Salvation. Born again, right? Well, let's just read Romans 13, 11. That says that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now, would you say that... Yeah, I see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. You see that was Paul not even saved? Is he going to be saved sometime down to salvation? Salvation is in three tenths. Well, how I understand that is uh, I think you're getting to the uh, just, no. justified... Uh, okay, that's that's what yeah. you, that's what they're saying. Yeah, right. Yeah, the that's exactly what they're saying. Then the uh, what's the three the, tenses: justification, sanctification, right. and glorification. Right. Yeah. That's talking about glorification. Right. Turn over to Galatians chapter three, verse three. Let me read it. Yeah. Now let's just get this in context. Paul was in the Galatian church, Gentile church. And they was turning away from the true faith. They, apparently these people have been saved. But the Judaizer had come in and says you've got to do something to be. Yeah. Now read verse 3. It says, Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Okay, now have you you've been made justified by the Spirit is justification. Right. You have been freed from the very penalty of sin. But being justified in the flesh, that's sanctification. You are being freed. Present tense. And it's a never-ending thing. Sure. You are being freed from the power of sin. And what Paul was talking about in Romans, there's coming a time, if you've been justified, we're all going to be glorified, and that's being freed from the very presence of sin. 
I hadn't fruit. thought about this verse, Earl. I'm going to back yeah. up and read it again, the one you begun with, if I can. Uh-huh. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. This is something that's coming, but it will happen. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't that's happened yet. That's a glorification. I think yeah, that's talking about the, the completion of your well, salvation. Well, that's when you get to your glorified body. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's three chances to, to salvation. Mm-hmm. Present, or past, I mean. Present and future. Justification is I am have been freed from the power of penalty of sin. Right. Sanctification I am being mm-hmm. present tense freed from the power of sin. Glorification what Paul's talking about. We will be freed yeah. from the very presence, presence of sin. Of sin right. Mm-hmm. So we misuse the word salvation all the time. Hmm. And there's that verse in Philippians that a lot of you Pentecostals misinterpret. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's things of this world grow strangely dim. We don't want to do what we used to do. Mm-hmm. You're saying that's the sanctification like part of your salvation. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying it's salvation. It's three it's salvation is in three tenses: present, past, and future. In the present, we're in sanctification. Present. If you've been justified, then right. you you are in the process of being sanctified. Lifelong process. And that lifelong ends, process. And that only ends the day you die. But he is faithful to finish that work, we see. Paul says he he will see it through. God will see it through, and that might require some chastening here and there. But can you be glorified and not be sanctified? And the answer is yes. Yes. Can you be glorified and not be justified? And the answer is no. No. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 a moment ago about they saved the fire. That guy had not been sanctified. Yeah. He had been justified, right? Mm-hmm. But he had not been sanctified. How do you this deal with that? Of, how do you deal with that thing where Jesus says, "You know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say?" You know, I mean, the guy confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in his heart that God raised mm-hmm. him from the dead and said, "You will be saved." But I believe there's a caveat to that: believe and obey. For there is no other way. I believe ought to stop for stop signs and red lights. But if you don't obey, obey that, yeah. yeah, you're going to get a ticket. No, I don't care what you tell a cop. Oh, yes, sir, officer, I believe with all my heart I ought to be stopping. Mm-hmm. But if you don't follow the, the that's the caveat. Well, you're not being sanctified. Let's, let's go into sanctification. We're just going to pay the penalties. What you're right. Right. Pay the penalty. I heard a thing with Jay Vernon McGee the other day, and it really rang true to me. Uh, this judge was hearing a, a murder trial, and uh, he let the guy slide. He says, I'm, I'm forgiving you. And then Jay Vernon McGee said, there's a penalty that has to be paid for the crime that that guy committed. And he says, well, if Jesus, the judge said, if Jesus can forgive people's sins, I'm going to do the same thing. But Jesus paid the penalty for the, the mankind's sins. But that judge didn't do that. He just waved his arm and said, hey, you're free to go. You know, don't do it again. So that penalty aspect needs to be looked at very carefully. Well, let's talk about that penalty, man. But what were you read in First Corinthians chapter 3? He was right. saved as is by fire. What happens to him? What I mean, when we get to heaven, he that loses would be, reward. That would be my. That, that would be the big right. Now, if we have been justified, we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Right. Not, not, not the great white throne. The great white throne. The beamer seat. Yeah. We're going to stand there and get our reward. What's going to happen to him? Now I'm going to say something here, and, and I, I don't care whether you agree with it or not. He's going to be cast in down the dark. 
Okay. Not who, hell. Who is going to be casting? That guy that. Yeah, it's not hell though. It's, it's not hell. Out of darkness is not hell. I agree there. What's that? No, I'm sorry. No. Out of darkness is not hell. Okay. Out of darkness is outer not hell. Outer, outer darkness. Outer darkness is not hell. No. Okay, so what is outer darkness if it's not hell? It's weeping and gnashing of teeth takes place out there. Those are people that didn't do anything for Christ. I'm going to prove by the Bible it's not hell. Notice <laughs> okay. to Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to go there, but let me add one thing okay. to the sanctification thing. This is out of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12. But for the rest that speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Sanctification of one believer. Okay. Okay. Matthew 8. Now, let's get the context of Matthew 8. Centurion had a, had a sick servant. And he asked the Lord to heal him. And the Lord said, I'll go to your house and we'll heal him. He said, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I'll say the word. Heal it, say the word and he'll be healed here. And Jesus said, I haven't seen this much faith, not even Israel. Now pick it up in verse 11. Or verse 10. Get the context. Matthew 8. Mm-hmm. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Stop right there just a moment. The kingdom of heaven, that means the kingdom from heaven on earth. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the millennial kingdom. Yes. He's talking about in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He hasn't found that much faith, and these people are Jews. Okay, go ahead and finish. It says, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, remember the children. Uh, he's talking about Jews right there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Will be cast out in outer darkness. Now, what is it? Who are the children of the kingdom? Or the sons of the kingdom? It's, it's pronounced two different ways. Go to, to over to just a few chapters, 13. Verse 38. Matthew 13. Mm-hmm. That says, The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Now, stop right there. Who's the good seed? Children. Children, children of the kingdom. Safe people, right? Mm-hmm. Are they? Yeah, children of the kingdom. Oh, okay. But the tares are the children of the wicked. So what happens in, in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? That many of them will be cast into where? Outer darkness. They didn't have any rewards. Right. They didn't have any. They are not. Out of darkness simply means a place that others to wait. The main source of life. So the children of the kingdom. So are you saying that's the new earth? No. That's where they're going to be in this outer darkness thing? Mm -hmm. Well, what is this outer darkness? The the place of others to wait is the main source of life. What's the main source of life in the millennial kingdom? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. You're going to be the farthest away from him? And where would that be? The farthest away from him. Say he's ruling in the temple. The outskirts of the city. Are <coughs> the outskirts of the city yeah, are on okay, that. Okay, the outskirts of the city. You wonder okay. will they be able to... They're uh, not going to rule and reign with him, to put it another way. Their rewards but they're still going to be living. They're going to be saved people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you stand before the judgment of Christ, you're in the glorified body. You're not in your right. physical body. Right. 
So you're saying that these these here these uh, but the terrors of the children of the wicked ones that are cast into the outer outer darkness. No, don't say no that. it says that, or, or that children of the kingdom will cast into outer darkness. There, who who's the terrors? The, the wicked ones. The children of the wicked. That's yeah. lost people, right? Yeah, they're cast into hell by other scripture. Oh, okay. The enemy that sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world or the age. The age. And the reapers are the angels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't get any rewards, like this guy you just read about mm-hmm. in First Corinthians, he he is saved, right? Mm-hmm. But what kind of rewards does he have? Nothing. He's in the outer darkness. Mm-hmm. Just what the scripture says right here. I think you're right about that. He does not rule and reign with Christ. Now, hmm. But he's not lost to hell. He's not in hell. So is this one of, this outer darkness you're referring to, is this sort of like uh, the place where the Catholics would consider, no, would no, no, consider no. perdition? No. perdition I would use this analogy. Or purgatory, rather. The old temple. In the old temple, in the Old Testament, you had the outer court. Yeah, yeah court, right, yeah. And okay. the Holy of Holies. Right. If you're in the outer court, you're kind of there, but you know, you might be have the... Put it like this. Say that you had a lot of rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And when the millennial came, you was right beside of Jesus, ruling and reigning with him, had authority over a lot of things. But if you didn't have any rewards, and like this guy, you're sitting way back here somewhere out out of darkness and couldn't rule and reign with him and didn't have any say-so over anything until the millennial was over. Now, eternity is a different issue. So what happens after the millennial then with this particular guy you're talking about? He, everything goes back. It goes back well, to what? To like he was. I mean, it, it goes back to he's saved, he's in eternity, he's a, he's a children of the, of the kingdom. But he's, he's, not, he's not ruling Oh, so you're talking, okay, so, oh, okay. I was, I was misunderstanding what you were saying there because you're talking about... Uh, the millennial reign. <coughs> okay, okay. So these people, uh, they're not in the the city. They're they're living outside. Of well, the city. they're the way. They're the farthest away from Christ. Now you could you could say yeah. outside of the city, yeah. outside of the gates, outside of whatever. Yeah. They just wouldn't. But wouldn't hell sort of be the furthest away from from Jesus? Not in context. Now, hell it's would not, be the furthest away, that, yes. That's what I was saying, the, the furthest away. So it, if that's But where now he's talking about saying, who are the children of the king? The good seed, right? That's what it says. Now, mm-hmm. now put that in context, Joe. Okay, let me see. He, he soweth the good seed, the son of man, the field of the Lord. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares of the children of the wicked ones. So the good seed is the children of the kingdom, and these children of the kingdom in Matthew 8, what was that verse? Uh, 10, 11. Yeah, it says the enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is in the end. Of the so ten eleven, yeah. Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to them, "Verily saying to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob." That's in the millennial kingdom. Yes. So now these tires you're but saying, the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. Mm-hmm. That means they did not have any faith. See, that's the whole context of the. The they camp. got saved. They are saved. They did not have any faith. Jesus said, I have not found well, this much faith. But how can you be saved without having any faith? How is well, that possible? I, because, I don't, because, because God gives you every man a measure of faith, mm-hmm. enough for salvation. What do you do with it? Yeah. And what you do with it, guys, that go back to 1 Corinthians 3. What do you build on this foundation? 
you know, you, you know, precious. Go back and read that one more time. Listen to this, Joe. First Corinthians chapter three, verse ten through fifteen. I like this understanding. It's I feel like I've gotten what sharpened. Verses are, what, huh? verse, what verses? What verses? I'm supposed 15. to sharpen iron. I'm getting sharpened, and I like it. All right, First Corinthians three, uh, ten, verse eleven for for other foundation can no. Now, matter. now what's the, can I break this apart a little bit? What's the foundation? Christ Jesus. Okay, go ahead. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. Which okay, is, now. What other foundation can you lay? Nothing. Okay, go ahead. It's the foundation of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is all. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now, put the first three. Gold, silver, precious stones. That's reward. Stone. You're going to build trust in him. All your faith on him. And, and you serve him, I think. And you, you serve, serve him, him. exactly. First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 3, and this starts in verse 11. And then the wood, hay, and stubble burns up. Now, what is that? That's you, you glorify yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's um, the wrong motive. The wrong motive. Wrong That's motive. where you lose the reward. Yeah. Because in Matthew 7, he said many had come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't mm-hmm. I do all those things? Mm-hmm. You know, prophesy. Didn't I cast out demons? You know, I never knew you. Now, Part go ahead and read the rest of it. For every man's work shall be made manifest for the day. What shall... day? What day? day the Bema seat. Bema. Yeah, Second Corinthians 5, yeah, the Bema yeah. seat. The day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Okay. In other words, now, if you build on no faith, what happens to it? Burn up. What happens to him? <coughs> Saved yet as by coattails. As by, by fire. Co- you go, to, you to, you go to heaven with the smell of smoke. With your coattail smoke. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're part of the kingdom, but you're from the south side of the kingdom. You're on the south side of the kingdom. <laughs> Over in the boondock side, huh? <laughs> you're on the, but, you, but you're no. still... He was... This guy right here, in context, was cast out in the outer darkness. Sure. Now, will he spend the millennium that way? Yes. Is, yes. Would he not be able to... Now, what happens to him after the millennium? Everything else comes back to eternity... And we're all going to rule and reign with Christ at that time. What about this guy? He won't, will he? Yeah, he will. Yeah. He will? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's saved by grace. He just, the reward is well, your, your position in the millennium. One of the girls at my boss said at the house, he said, he said that millennial is boot camp for yeah. this guy. Well, let me ask you this. Biblical boot camp. <laughs> this was one of the reasons that I left this last church that I left was because the preacher said this one day. He's talking about these people that sit in the back of the church on the back pew, you know. You know, you come to church every Sunday, but you just don't do nothing. You don't work in the church. Well, you know, uh, and, he, and then he says, them's the people that just play in church. No, that, that's not and true. And that, that, that just galled me when I heard that. You know, that's the reason I left the church when I heard that. Well, he's assuming that because they don't do anything when they well, leave. Well, he's judging right. these people in his church because 
maybe they're too dumb to know how to work, or maybe they got a problem that they can't well, work. Does he you know, know what they're doing outside the church? There you go. Well, mm-hmm. but see, see the, the thing is, he always says, well, what a testimony you're making when your neighbors see you come out of the house on Sunday morning getting your car dressed up. They know where you're going. That's a good testimony. But what kind of But then you when you get that? to church and you don't work, then he says you're just playing church. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, they could be going to the Jehovah's Witness Church for all we know. Uh, you know well, no, the these are Baptists. These are people going to Baptist church. I know you're talking about where they're going, necessarily. So but you see this guy? I'm talking about, this preacher was talking about his own congregation. But what kind of testimony did he have? I, I tell you what, he had the testimony of should have worked harder. I should have done something. I should have got more reward. I should have, because I think about Peter, and um, Peter. Oh, I'll never deny you, Lord. I did not <laughs> mean three it. times, right? but he did. Jesus yeah. said, I, "You're going to deny me three times for the rooster." Uh-huh. And he did. He felt awful too. He felt terrible about it. But then he returned. And Jesus forgave him, asked him three times, do you love me, Peter? But, you know, Jesus told him, you're going to turn, you're going to deny me. But when you have turned back, go and strengthen your brothers. And I paused on that once. Go and strengthen them? You might have thought he'd say, go back and ask your brothers how they kept their noses in the air while you failed. Maybe take some tips, write down some notes from your, your, your brothers. No, go strengthen them. How could Peter, having gone through that separation from Christ, seeming separation from Christ, strengthen them? He could, I think he could go back and say, let me tell you about grace. Let me tell you about the grace of God. Let me tell you what I did and how far and what I said. You know, and it's an awful sort of thing. And David I, had that same problem. He said, return unto me the joy of my salvation. Well, Peter was still, up. Yeah, he, did, Peter, he didn't ask to return his still, salvation. No. Just the, the joy, joy of it. Now, Peter was still under the Old Testament. He wasn't saved. The grace has been given. feeling, too, when he did something wrong. You know, you, yeah. Well, so, um, you maybe we have. still you know, well, yeah, I know. I've been there. <laughs> well, pretty much daily. They have been given. They I mean, been indwelling the Holy Spirit in that respect, as indwelling and sealing, Holy, Holy Spirit's always been here, right? And always the, the church established. I mean, you know, he got saved. You know, when Jesus said he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. Yes. If we ever yes. get in the Book of Daniel, I want to ask, and I'm going to hush after this. Now, they so much in Daniel mm-hmm. that I, it, it takes me a year to teach it. But if I told you, asked you, I was going to be gone. For a week, how long would I be gone? In your, in your seven life, days. Seven days. Seven days. Seven days. Now, in the Jewish world, that's not necessarily the case. There's a week of days, a week of weeks, a week of months, week and a week of years. years. Now, the context has to determine which one of these weeks are you talking about. A week of days, and, as Missile says, Shabbat to Shabbat, Saturday mm-hmm. to Saturday. A week of weeks is from first fruits to Pentecost. The week of months is from Nisan. You're getting ready to turn Joe loose again. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but a week of years. Shut up, Joe. Leviticus 25, he told him when you come into the land, and Joshua, yeah. you should work the land for six years, but on the seventh year, they didn't lay foul. Mm. Not work. That's the reason they've taken to the Babylonian captivity. Yeah, they didn't keep that. It's about a year. Boy, look how long he let them get away with it. To, to violate 70 sabbatical years, how many normal years? 490. 490 years. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's very interesting, and I know the 483 leading up to that final week, and it's a pause. I, I have a book. I don't know where it's at, and you've probably seen it. It's a guy's name's Clarence Larkin. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's on the Book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one of the things he brought out in that that I love because he wrote that in 1926. Mm-hmm. And he said, now these things are not going to be fulfilled until Israel is restored as a nation back in their original place. And I'm sure a lot of people thought he was a kook. Yeah. And, but now they're restored back in their original place. Well, 400 but not totally. They're, they're there, but 483 not, of those years have been fulfilled. 483. 483. They have seven years left to be fulfilled. And that'll be that tribulation. tribulation. That'll be the tribulation. tribulation. And I believe that's why... Tabernacles is the seven days in the booth. I believe the feasts of Leviticus are all about Christ and the church, all of them. And that's my personal belief. And, you know, the first four have been fulfilled on the exact days they exact were being kept. Day. Exact days. The days they were being kept. So, what about the fulfillment of these last three? The trumpets or Rosh Hashanah and Days of All, Yom Kippur, and uh, Sukkot booths. or Tabernacles mm-hmm. or booths. You know, they'll be fulfilled on that time which is why i'm looking personally for rosh hashanah the, tr- the trumpet goes out the bridegroom's coming trim your lamps get ready just like the 10 virgins were doing trimming their lamps getting ready some didn't have any fire and then you go make peace and what, what because the jewish people during uh the days of all um or the that period uh, they're making peace they're repenting sackcloth and ashes they're they're basically getting ready. And then tabernacles, you're going away for seven days. To me, that makes sense. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, I hope, it, I hope it is Pentecost when he comes because that's closer now than well, the small piece. Uh, and I'm not saying it is Pentecost. But, yeah, that's a long time. But there's a viewpoint that makes a lot of sense. You take the coming tribulation period. How many groups of people is facing that time period. Not going through it, but facing it. The ones that perish in the tribulation, right? The non-believers. The ones that survive the tribulation, the 144,000. And others, I think. The ones yeah. that removed is removed before the tribulation at the rapture of the church, right? Back in the Old Testament days at the flood, you got the same setup. How many people perished in the flood? The non-believers. How many people survived the flood? Noah and his eight. Eight means a new beginning. Right. Who escaped the flood? Enoch, which is a type of the church, right? Oh, he was he was carried up. Yeah. He was taken he was raptured out. Okay, okay. Now the Jewish teaching, the rabbinical teaching is that Enoch was born on the feast of Pentecost. Okay. That's confirmed. Now this is not confirmed. That they teach that he was taken on his birthday. The Feast of Pentecost. Well, now could I'm just saying could the Feast of Pentecost is this high finish? The church begin on Pentecost. That'd be great. Could I mean, like I said back before the fall feasts in this study, I said if I'm wrong this year, I'm going to be hoping Pentecost. <laughs> He's going to be running for Pentecost. Yeah, right? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Leviticus 23. You have the feast days. The feast. Uh huh. Well, feast has living in it. Yeah, Pentecost. Uh, because that's the church. The church, well, church yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Pentecost, they did put 11 because that's that's the church. Mm-hmm. There's the sinners in the church. Yeah. Okay, we're going to close. Gordon, is this the week you're going to do it or are you going to? I can try it. All right, Gordon's going to close this. We're going to try it anyway. You're going to do great, brother. Okay. Yeah.
Dear God above, we want to thank you for the opportunity to have this Bible study. Yes. I've learned a lot myself. I'm sure everybody here learns something new every time. We like to continue this more and more. Also, uh, we're concerned about the situation in Israel. We are. We'd like to be able to do something about that. Our prayer list, uh, we have some people on our knee who need help. Yes, Lord. And while we're on the subject, I want everyone here to be safe going home. Yes, and thank you. So we can get back together again next week. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus Amen. 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 Perfect, perfect, perfect. Absolutely.